to this podcast, you're listening to an interesting platform that's kind of like scaffolding on a wall because I was a muralist for 30 years. I did community development, I did social healing, I did inclusion projects, and really what the projects were was kind of like bringing everybody together on a giant wall in downtowns around the world. I named it Art Root Radio because When you go to look for murals, you go on a road trip. And when you go on a road trip, you need a radio. And as times are changing, really, at the end of the day, it is the conversations we have with each other through art, through storytelling, that really get us through. So I'm Michelle Lockery. Grab a tea and climb up my digital scaffolding. I want you to imagine that I'm sitting on a wall somewhere and you've just met me and I want to share my stories. Today, one of the stories that I want to share is with a young artist named Hanako. Hanako is an incredible artist that I got the honor to mentor. She was doing her first large piece. She is a very, um, I would say, multi-layered artist, and um, she's very brave. She, um, I can't even remember how I met her. It was through some different um, organizations that I had worked with, but I I was really quite pleased to be the mentor that got to observe her creating this very multicultural um, conversation. Hanako is just an incredible Métis artist. She brings the, the words of Louis Riel to life. It will be the artists and healers that wake up the people. So grab a tea, because I know Hanako has one, and let's have a discussion about art and the art she's creating right now in her garage for a wall in Golden, BC. Good morning, Hanako. How are you? Hi, I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. um, Life is good. Summer in the Okanagan. Oh, wait, there's no sun yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's cloudy here today, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. How's the weather been? Not complaining, it's still not up north in the snow. So Yeah, exactly. So tell me about okay, so I have a lovely introduction about you and we're gonna drive our listening audience to your website. But you and I met um kind of as a mentorship that um through a contact in Golden that you were this up and coming, you know, artist. So tell me, how did you know you were an artist? Um I think I kind of always was just brought up with that because my aunt was an artist and an art teacher and I drew up, grew up drawing um, whatever she was drawing, sitting across from her, and I would draw it upside down. That's <laughs> awesome. When I was like three years old. So even from, from a very early age, I always loved making art. And so um, my, my family was really good about kind of fostering that and telling me I was an artist making sure I had art supplies and could try out all these different mediums. It was, yeah, had a very supportive upbringing of being an artist, and I guess it kind of just made it so I always knew I was. What's your favorite color crayon? Mm, red. Red? <laughs> it would have been purple when I was 
was a kid. I was very, very obsessed with purple when I was young. Uh, my granddaughter's obsessed with purple. <laughs> That's always an important question, right? Because I always think that when we go into our memories of the joy of coloring or the joy, I didn't really like coloring. I liked melting the crayons, but uh, <laughs> it's sort of something that I think defines you as an artist. Is it kind of your go-to color that makes you feel, right? Yeah, and I feel like it has changed over the years, and that's probably normal for people, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exciting. So how do you like painting your, is this one of your first large installations? This is the first large installation. The biggest uh, piece I've created before this was a four, I think it's four foot by four foot, maybe four by five, um, large canvas that I had to build and paint in art school. Um, other than that, I've never done something that big, and this one is um, 10 by 15 each, and there's two. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I, I started this podcast just because, as an aging muralist, I love to mentor, and I was excited to meet you, and and um, I want the listening... There's so many people doing murals right now. It seems to be this thing, but I think that people don't understand the amount of community business interaction it takes to get this done. Mm -hmm. Was that surprising yeah, that to you? <laughs> um, yeah, I would say it was kind of surprising to me. Uh, I have a little bit of a better idea that it was going to take that much communication and interaction because I work in, I worked in festivals and events for okay. years, yeah. um, more so than being a full-time artist. So I already knew that, you have to get so many permits and approvals and talk to so many different people just to even get the process moving forward, never mind talking about the actual art. <laughs> so I think I kind of had an idea. I think that maybe the organization that hired me didn't know that as much because it was their first mural project they coordinated, and I was just hired as the artist. So, yeah, I think that them working like smaller scale and with the types of grants and the types of events and everything they normally do, that it was maybe a little bit of a surprise to them. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, it was a pleasure working. Yeah, it was a pleasure Sorry, working. No, it was a pleasure working with you because you really did get that. Like you never let the process throw you. Yeah, <laughs> and that was really nice because that's you know in some of the teachings that I do, I just met another artist who was like, yeah. I wanted, I could do that. And I want to paint murals and I'm going, wait, wait, wait. It's not just like, here's the amount of money. Here's a wall and you paint. That's nice. And that's a luxury. There is a process of engagement and you were really damn good at it. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I just, I feel like when you're doing art for something that's going to be seen by a whole community, you know, probably every day by some people going to work, and that's, you want to make sure it's something that they're not going to hate looking at every day as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one, I know. I've, I've been, it is. I've been on the wall, and I've been yelled at in, in my 30 years. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep, I've been yelled like at a lot. a commission for an entire town instead of just a person. <laughs> yeah, and all those opinions, right? Mm. <laughs> I know. I got yelled at by a lady one year for doing a war mural. Like, really? And she came, like, every day for a week and yelled and called me names. Yeah. She, wow. Yeah. She, well, you know, she actually, it was, it, was, it was kind of a cool thing because she then, finally, I just, you know, got down and, 
you know, just tried to engage with her and said, like, you know, this is the community choice. We're painting World War One and Two, you know, just to try to teach all these young people on this wall that war could happen again. And she rolled up her sleeve and she had a number on her arm and she was from a German concentration camp. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so she said, oh, I didn't realize. And all the kids come down and talk to her. And then she asked me to paint a daisy underneath one of the tank wheels. So I did. So, you know, there's power. Well, yeah, there's power. So describe what you're painting. Uh, the one I'm working on now, the first image, is a fiddle with some hands playing the fiddle. And then there's a Métis sash um, with some sweet grass and sage being burned, so smudging. And the smoke's going to come up into the figure of some dancers. Wow. So, yeah, that's obviously Métis cultural mural. Um, and that one kind of came from an idea that, well, you, you kind of suggested the close-up of the fiddle with the hands, and I just loved that idea. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the ideas came from a survey I did that went out to uh, the community here and to the Métis membership especially, and I asked kind of what imagery people associated with their culture, and the fiddle, the dance, the sash, music, and sort of that feeling of, of joy of um, that music fills people up with. I really wanted to capture that in an image, and so that's why why the fiddle and the dancers, and just sort of the whole colorful vibe of the entire <laughs> entire thing. I really wanted to feel bright and joyful. Well, after the times we've had, I mean, and you and I worked together during COVID, and you know, people were, I would say, um, in a place of of questioning. So I think that survey must have really number one helped for people to engage. What a that's a beautiful process. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was kind of a, a really fun way of getting some inspiration too. So it was very beneficial to me, I would say as well. Well, you know, and there's that cultural tie because for me, I mean, and especially with what's happening in the world right now in Ukraine, I remember as a child watching my grandfather play the fiddle and the violin in the kitchen with all of the immigrant men and I would watch his fingers and it would make, give me a sense of home. So I find that's really interesting and it'll be interesting how many cultures will resonate with that same image. It's interesting because I've kind of sent some processed images to some friends and one comment I got from someone who didn't know that it was a Métis cultural mural said it looked very like bluesy. Oh. <laughs> the, the instrument and uh, at that point it was not done so they there was no metis sash or anything but just the way the fiddle was i think they maybe thought it looked more like a bass or a cello or something and i don't know to them that i kind of read that way i can see how it could look like that <laughs> i can get that from it well it would be interesting if you took a design once you're done and removed the patterns of the sash <clears throat> you could let kids color whatever nationality feeling they have on that sash like i could see ukrainian patterns i can see russian patterns like music's a universal language it is, and those kind of instruments were a part of so many different cultures. I mean, so many people, when I say, oh, it's a fiddle, and they go, oh, I thought it was a violin. And it's, it's the same thing. It's really <laughs> just a different style of playing. <laughs> so 
that, that's really interesting to me when I learned that. I learned that years ago because both my, uh, my sibling and my mom both play the fiddle. Um, that's so cool. My mom, my mom plays my grandpa's old one. <laughs> oh, that's my, so my cousin, he's a professional uh, musician and has traveled the world and played with like major stars. Well, he's was the BC fiddle champion. Um, and he grew up in Alberta with my Guido and he has my Guido's instruments. And I just, I see it in my grandchildren. Right. So that same, it's just such a, a thread, I guess it's pretty magical. Hmm. Any, any kind of instrument. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. See, I have none. I have no musical talent. <laughs> I'm very little. I play guitar, but uh, that's about it. Yeah, I, I tried. My Everybody else does. I bought a handpan. I'm even brutal at that and kind of like, okay, um, yep, it looks pretty on my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you did a really good job because one of the things that I always say to muralists is learn how to do the scale because you're going to stand on the side of the road far away and if you don't have it in the scale to your eye, it looks like a bunch of noise. Yeah, and I think that was that was something really challenging, and that was one part where having new to bounce ideas off of and mentor was super helpful. Was that there were so many ideas and so many things that the committee wanted incorporated into this mural, and that's why I ended up doing I am doing two images. So once this one's done, I have one um, that has some portraits in it that I'm going to be working on. And that was sort of the the way we came to a happy medium of including the things they really needed shown. Yeah. Um, as well as making it so not everything was too too busy or too small scale. It's a challenge for sure because um, I think you've taken it intergenerational, which is really cool. Because, you know, my murals have predominantly been heritage and um, there's so many new up-and-coming emerging artists that I know aren't quite fond of those heritage murals and there there's a little bit of a movement going well we should remove them and we want bright and colorful and relevant and there is a mixture because you know if we're sitting here today when I painted a war mural and said we hope it never happened again none of us could ever imagine that we'd be facing what we're facing right now yeah Right. So there is such an importance in listening to the elders, but I love that you got to paint. It's so refreshing and so relevant to today. So again, good job. Thank you. The story that you're leaving. And then we take your time because the art of it is in the details. So you've laid this out. And then I always exciting is once it gets put up and you stand on the side of the road and you look at it first, you will know, and then that's the magic. And I always say that's the day the magic happens because you might want to tie the two together, like one shot of color. You know, the great masters always said, one shot of red, a masterpiece makes. <laughs> right? So, I've never heard that saying before. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it is. And then you'll just step, step back and you'll say, well, what do I do to tie the two together? And it's also, I think, educating non-artists the importance of patience to wait. It's not... You know, there's an inspiration and one day you're painting and you feel like, oh, like this is just not coming, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's that day that you just feel like you're not even part of your hand. Yeah. Well, watching your... <laughs> yeah, there's just... Go ahead. This whole process has been so interesting. Like every day I get there and it's 
it's different. I have days where I paint for half an hour and I'm like, this isn't working. I don't want to do this. <laughs> and then there's days where I'm like, oh, wow, four hours have gone by. And I've just been, you know, in the zone and really excited about how things are coming along. So it was really nice to be able to have two weeks without work to just focus on that. I think it made a huge difference. <laughs> Can you imagine if artists were only allowed or there was a way that we just could paint? Imagine the masterpieces we would create. Yeah, yeah. If uh, you know, our world ran a little differently, and people just worked for passion rather than survival, I think that there could be some really brilliant inventions and beautiful things in this world. And there already are, and people hardly have any time to create. I think that's what's wrong with our system. I think our values of what and you know, I look at, I listen to um, the Deborah Messing podcast. And it was quite a surprise because she was talking to Jane Fonda and I just enjoyed it so much about hearing how important it is to support the arts and people still look at the arts as this, I would think, decoration on the cake and not the very cake. Hey, like. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and I think that for some people, um, this time of the, the pandemic kind of showed people the importance of art because oh my gosh, can you imagine if we didn't have movies and art and music to get us through two years of distancing and isolation? Like, it was definitely, you know, kind of gave me a reminder of how much art is a part of our lives and how much it enriches our lives. Well, that's what this podcast is about because with my mom locked up, and I mean, she couldn't leave her trailer. She um, was really isolated. And my mom created her first piece of glass public art at 83 years old wow and you know the inspiration through this podcast through this medium of you know and getting to work with you mentoring you all of it I don't think because I I mean I've had COVID three times oh my gosh and I don't think my mental health would have been and I mean it definitely I, I did an interview because it was really hard there was parts that I just couldn't understand um, and I'm okay being isolated because I'm the perfect hermit. Mine was, <laughs> mine was more just the lack of, when I got sick, the lack of ability. And that was, for me, scared. So it just really scared me because I go, oh, my God, if I couldn't create because of my health, that was my reckoning to go, oh, I will be a little more gentle with people with limitations and seniors who have passion and maybe not the ability anymore. So that was a real awakening for me. Like that. That's scary. Well, <laughs> scary thought. It, well, and it is like, think about like you go out there and you paint, you know, to have that ability taken from you. And I, I felt voiceless. <laughs> like I really did. I felt voiceless. So yeah. And you were a really big part of me feeling connected because I love working with emerging artists. So thank you because that really helped me go, ah, there's, you know, there's people out there creating with new, fresh ideas and that was really that was really important to me thank you <laughs> you're welcome so how long do you think before let's see you will hang that, that mural up and then where do you see your art career like where do you see you going as an artist um i'm kind of at a crossroads right now where i'm sort of deciding for a long time, I, I thought I didn't want to be a full-time practicing artist. Um, 
I went to art school and I actually ended up dropping out of art school because I was like, I don't know. I, it took some of the joy out of it for me to have to do it for work all the time. And I, so I kind of waffled back and forth about whether that was something I wanted to do as a career, just a hobby. I went to studied arts and cultural management and found I really liked the business side. And so then I kind of found that balance of I can do the business side and work with people and help other artists get their work out and do my stuff kind of on the side, but also um, make a little bit of, of money off of it too, just at least support the hobby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of at this crossroads of deciding how much I want to invest into this art business and how much I'd rather, you know, do a boring job. <laughs> I don't want to say a boring job, but do a job that's not necessarily as art-related. Um, and then just continue doing my art sort of on the side how I've been doing it. Because um, I think this is, like I said, one of the biggest projects I've ever worked on. So I think... If I wanted to really focus on my art business and, and take off that way, it's probably a good starting point. I could probably mm-hmm. really use that to move forward and to maybe work on other murals or um, find some other like larger-scale projects I want to be a part of or launch my art business and sell my work. So i got to give that a little more thought. I'm thinking that I'm going to have the first image, the fiddle one that I've been working on, done, and hopefully get it mounted by the end of May. That would be... Original goal was to get both up and mounted by the end of May, but I think that's a little ambitious. So if I can get just one done by then and then have the other one done, hopefully within the next few months and get that one mounted before the end of the summer... um, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming to Golden to um, work to do the, the mural they're doing that they want me to do. So it'll be really cool for you and I to meet. Yeah, when is that? Well, they want me to come mid-June to come and look at the wall okay. because of some stuff that's happening. But I, of course, would like to still connect with you because I'm not there. So maybe another kind of sort of a collaboration in some way. But you know what? As I'm listening to you, I agree. I, I never... The idea of being a full-time artist, um, I don't think I have that capability because for me, my art's really personal. So I find the business side of the arts and the education and the political, social part of what art can do to be as much as an act of art as the act of actually creation. That's entirely true. (laughs) Yeah, and for me, I was—I always thought I was a social artist. And listening to you, because I—I love to be in my studio, and I love to be on a giant mural for months and years at a time. But I never thought of it as a completion for me. It was like just paint strokes. Mm -hmm. The working with the young people and the community, almost like um, orchestrating arts happening was as much as a passion for me. And I'm listening to you going, that's really kind of cool because, you know, then it allowed me to, when I did my own personal art, to heal and provide solace for myself in a way that wasn't public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's important. I think that when I start to do art too much for work and profit, I entirely stop doing it for myself. And I don't want to lose that. That's that's huge. It's been a part of healing. It's mm-hmm. just fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, some of my favorite art I've created is stuff I've done for myself that I may or may not have even ever shown anyone. It was just about the process for me. Um, and I don't, yeah, I went years where I hardly created anything because I tried to do it for work and it I hear you because that's me too. When I paint for fun, I've got no shoes on. I'm in my studio. There's some crazy music going on, probably a whiskey in my hand. And what comes is pure joy. That's... Yeah. And thankfully with having these two weeks off and a space where I can lay out this whole image and just focus on nothing but this mural for two weeks it's become that for me and it the process of getting it to the point where I could just paint and have fun was was a lot of work and it was almost a year but now it's like these two weeks other than the hard day (laughs) really nice and I do the same thing I have my music playing I'm walking all over the mural so I'm in sock feet and uh, I've dyed a whole bunch of my socks now because I walk through black paint sometimes. <laughs> uh, I just go back and forth between that and running up the ladder to look down at the whole thing. <laughs> right? I know. And you know what? You The challenge of painting it on the ground, uh, you know, if anybody's listening to us when we launch this and you're an artist or you're not an artist, appreciate bending down over panels on the floor. The bottom of your back aches. I have been sitting like cross-legged while painting <laughs> or sitting on my knees um, through most of it. <laughs> I have a full paint outfit because I cannot, even like just smaller scale painting, I'm so messy. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I have my, my hoodie and pants that I've been wearing every day for this are just so rainbow now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're probably worth money one day, right? <laughs> When we worked with when we worked with crews and we would go, it was always the process of a mural is a beautiful thing. We would show up at a new wall, so like we would paint and we would do like we painted for a year at a time. Like then it just kept blending, and there would always be another wall at the end of a wall. We never even thought about it, right? Because the next because we wrote we wrote the grant, so we knew we had to do like eight murals a year, right? So when, when a mural ended, everybody would come to the wall and be really pouty, and they were like touching the wall because the whole crew were like. And go, it's okay, guys. We're going to go to another one. It's all good. Because that safety feeling would leave. But then we would go to the new site, and it would be so awkward, and everybody wouldn't know where their paint was going. And we didn't have, we used to have this blue bin that we kept our paint in every night and locked it up to the to wherever we could find a place to lock it up. And then the crew, we would always say, oh, there's the monster. And you'd look at that empty panel the same as I think lots of artists who work small scale look on a canvas and we'd go, that's the dragon we got to slay. And that's how it felt to us that every day you had to slay that dragon until you could finally go and the dragon would just kind of become a beautiful piece of art. So where are you? Do you have a, are you still seeing it as a dragon when you go in there? Are you actually going, okay, this is good. Most days I don't see it as a dragon anymore. <laughs> definitely I can relate to that feeling with the when they were all flat white. I was like, I don't know. I sent my sister a picture and she says, Oh, I see you're going with a polar bear and a snowstorm theme for the, the mural. So I was like, Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> well, you know, you were really brave because you were really brave to do this because it's it's got 
cultural stuff in it. It's got elders. There's so many voices that wanted to be heard. I think you did a really good job because the voices come through the music. So again, I applaud you 100%. Thank you. That's yeah, awesome. I'm excited to see the finished one. And I'm actually excited to start on the second image too, which is good because I would say I'm a little <laughs> less excited. I had to force the excitement for this first one because I got to a point where I was, it was so overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't seem like fun anymore. But now, now it's fun again, and um, I think going into the second one, that'll be a little less daunting. Well, what'll <laughs> happen? Yeah, and what'll happen is you'll bring the freedom of the large scale that you got to do to the portrait, so you won't feel that tightness. You can do that same joy, right? Because that's like- kind of what I was thinking, and why I wanted to do this one first and the faces second. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's why I was saying it would be really nice if you could work on the other one and then have them all put up, because then whenever you get too tight with you're doing the portrait, you can go back to the other one and go, oh yeah, that's where the music is. Yeah, because portraits are hard, <laughs> that's right? True, that's a good point. Yeah, got it. <laughs> or or start another just giant painting in that space that you're in. Mm-hmm. Like you know, just get some big piece of plywood and just say, okay. When I'm getting too serious, I'm going to go back and splash paint again. I've kind of thought of that, too, because I also have all these paints left. And sometimes <laughs> I mix a color, and I'm like, this isn't quite right for what I need, but such a beautiful color for something else. <laughs> I, I always have probably two or three paintings that are um, probably <laughs> never finished. But it's okay, because I can't waste paint. So there you go. So there's a suggestion. And you know what? That will be probably one of the most important pieces in your career because you're just doing it and not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I'll be excited to see if you do that. You have to send me a video. <laughs> okay. All right. This was great. Um, for all the listeners, we will send you on a beautiful scavenger hunt so you can see more of Hanako's work. She is seriously a fantastic artist. And um, I think she's got some pretty exciting community work in her future because she um you understand people and you have a really kind soul thank you thank you and we will talk really soon so send us some update pictures and uh, i can't wait to meet you mid-june we'll have tea yes i'm very excited about that all right you take care you too bye The water flows through indigenous blue. The tides rise and fall, connecting us all. Water is life, hear our call. The water flows through indigenous blue.